Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... That's what's brought me to FAC. And I guess the driving principles behind FAC is how are we building the economic self-determination for Indigenous Australians? How are we contributing to intergenerational wealth creation? And then how are we going to build a thriving Indigenous economy? Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 419 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Brian Wyborn. Brian Wyborn is a highly accomplished individual with a passion for Indigenous self-determination and economic empowerment. Hailing from Torres Strait Islands and Papua New Guinean heritage, Brian has dedicated his career to making a positive impact for Indigenous Australians. As the recently appointed managing partner of First Australians Capital, Brian is steadfast on achieving organisations' mission of supporting Indigenous entrepreneurship and economic growth. Additionally, Brian's a non-executive director for one of the largest service providers in aged care in remote and rural Northern Territory, and an Atlantic Fellows for Social Equity with the University of Melbourne. With a profound belief in empowering marginalised communities, Brian is a fervent advocate for equity. With his multifaceted background, Brian hopes to make an indelible mark in the realms of Indigenous advancement and economic resilience. Brian's also a long-term member of the Australian Army Reserve, spending his first 12 years as an infantry soldier and recently transitioning to become a commissioned officer. So Brian, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Tom, it's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time to get us in your calendar. And likewise, I know we've tic-tac to get this one in there. Yeah, look, I'm super pumped to be here today. And thank you for that intro. Happy to crack into it. Excellent. We've got a lot to talk about, mates. Let's kick off then, Brian, by talking a bit about your background and what it was that led to your passion in finance and leadership. Thanks, Tom. I'll try and keep this brief, but maybe I'll talk to my background, particularly from where my experiences has led me to where I am today. Yeah. And I'll, I'll keep that succinct, but perhaps just touch on a few points that were just pivotal moments in doing that shift. Yes. Initially, I started my career in the Department of Human Services. Back then, it was called Medicare. That period was when the Australian government was rolling out, closing the gap. And a lot of my role back then was to speak with medical practices, particularly in areas which had high density of Indigenous population, and really talk to them about what are the health determinants that we're seeing within Indigenous communities, and particularly their geographic regions, mm. and assist them to try and identify Indigenous patients, but also play a role in, in closing the gap. 
Tom, that was a phenomenal part coming out as a young graduate mm. out of university trying to tell a doctor how to run his business, particularly on how he engages with Indigenous patients. It built a lot of resilience and I guess some of those understanding around how to help influence for positive change. Yes. Um, part of that role also, I, I spent a bit of time with the Department of Health and Aging where we funded Aboriginal controlled medical services particularly up north. I'm, I'm talking about Pomparau and Arakoon and Mapoon, that really mm. top part of northern Queensland. And again, the groundings there were profound in helping me think about Indigenous affairs and, and how we support them. This was like a policy lens back then as a government employee. I took some time between there working within Indigenous affairs and then I took a change in my career and moved into financial services for a period of time leading up to where I am today. So I guess my last 10 years has really been in financial services. Mainly, I started my career in financial planning and investment management mm. to then spend the last closer to five years solely focusing on investment management and the key learnings around what are the trends in the market? How do you build sustainable portfolios when you're thinking long term? Which led me into working very fortunately, actually, to come back to work with our people again. For me, that was a really big part in bringing me back to our people, if I can yes. put it that way. Yeah. And this was working with traditional owners, particularly traditional owners that had rights to their lands and where they've derived capital and corpuses from mining royalties particularly, and then sitting with them and helping them think about what the future needs to look like mm. and how do we play a really small role in helping them achieve that future, particularly around investing their capital. So, Tom, that's a really long-winded way of saying I started my career in Indigenous affairs, then I took a small stint out of that in financial services, but even through financial services and investment markets, came back to being close to our people again and, and hoping to make a change. So that's a quick snippet of my career thus far, but I'll probably point out maybe two or three key moments in that. I've been with the Army Reserves, as you noted before. A key moment for me came up at the end of my time with the federal government where I took a contract with the Army Reserves to be part of the regional assistance missions to the Solomon Islands when mm. they had some civil unrest. That was effectively a second tier response to any civil unrest. So we yes. were there really to support the local police and the community. It wasn't a active confrontational role. Yes. Um, and Tom, that was fantastic. It was an eight-month contract where I guess one of those pivotal moments where you take a snapshot of society in a very different lens. That again brought me back to thinking about what is my purpose yes. and how am I helping society. Becoming a father, I know we've had offline conversations about yeah. this, Tom, but becoming a parent and what I want to see the future of my kids has been really pivotal, particularly in the last seven years on how I think I can influence the future for them on a broader stage, but also on a micro stage where between six and eight, uh, be home, be present. Yes. And then in the broader sense, we can talk about this a bit later about FAC's purpose, but I think that narrative change of Indigenous Australians is, is also front of mind and how do I change that for the future? Um, so yeah, maybe I'll leave it with those two for now. There's a couple of great examples there of how you're finding that balance as a father with obviously some amazing experience there and it's it's just been great to hear sort of how and what that journey has looked like for you, Brian. And you did mention FAC. For our audience, FAC is First Australians Capital, and Brian is or has come on board as the, the managing partner there. So it's a really exciting time for the organisation, Brian. 
I'm keen to hear a little bit more about what FAC's purpose is and what it is that you're looking to achieve in your role. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Maybe I should have uh, made that note a bit clearer before when I talked about where my career led to. Um, so maybe I'll just clarify or make a point of that. Working with communities and helping them articulate and think through how do they think of themselves as communities and nations and how do they lift themselves through that. A really key part is we live and work in a capitalist environment and the role business and commerce plays is significant. I've known FAC for some time. I've actually known FAC for a very long time. To then come to understand its journey and where it is right now and the Mm. pivotal path that it's taken and it's for me, all of those incremental things across my career thus far has led to this point where I want to take an active role. I, I often felt, particularly in wealth management, that I was supporting one element to communities, unpacking what is their economic resilience look like, mm-hmm. um, to then come into a role like FAC where I can perhaps have a broader impact across Australia through multiple businesses that we support to do that work around economic resilience. So yes. look, look, what is FAC? FAC is an organisation that is here to build the Indigenous economy and build the economic resilience of Indigenous people. We do that through a number of ways. We provide support to businesses in understanding what does success need to look like for them Mm. at the same time as supporting them with the right source of capital to do that work. I'll talk a bit about that perhaps a little bit later around this FACs had the first horizon of its origins to now be at that second horizon where we'll actually be launching a catalytic debt fund later this year, Tom. That's really exciting. Uh, It looks super exciting period, right, for us as an organisation. That's what's brought me to FAC. And I guess the driving principles behind FAC is how are we building the economic self-determination for Indigenous Australians? How are we contributing to intergenerational wealth creation? And then how are we going to build a thriving Indigenous economy? You know, mm. Our role is to answer those three questions. And there's two elements on how we do that. It's bringing the right support to organisations and bringing the right form of capital to them. Um, mm. So that, that's our how, why and what we hope to achieve, Tom. That's so exciting for the organisation right now. And I, I really hear that deep purpose there. It's just so incredibly important, particularly when we look at the severe disadvantage that First Nations Australians have and do continue to come up against. So it's such important work. So let's bring it back a little bit now to that broader sort of investment landscape and the change in that, Brian, in Australia, because I know you're quite familiar with this. Where do you see opportunities to improve access to capital for First Nations Australians then? It's a really pivotal time, right? Maybe I'll talk more broader about the perhaps responsible investment movement we're seeing, but then highlight where I think we lie, particularly in the Mm. impact space. And I think, Tom, if you pick up a buy-sell recommendation from any research house, one of the critical things that they talk to there, which has just become a mainstay, is ESG. I think that's been a phenomenal theme and change within the investment landscape. And then we've got 
the ability for individuals to personalize how they approach investment opportunities with both positive and negative screens that the investment market has matured to be able to allow individuals to apply their own ethical frameworks, both around positive and negative approaches to invest in. And then the the other one I'll probably just highlight really quickly is the advocacy piece. You know, mm. organizations like RIA, for example, yes, nine trillion in membership mm. across the different member organizations to really influence how investment markets work, to then come to our space, which is that impact space, and having the ability for measurable social and environmental change. I see those tailwinds as an amazing opportunity for First Australians Capital and for particularly Indigenous entrepreneurs. The groundswell is there, and I hope that we are one of many organisations that can garner that support, but also be that intermediary between capital Mm. and purpose. In my 10 years working in wealth management, capital is looking for purpose. Capital is looking for a home. And I guess what I'll say to the network is that I hope we're not the only ones that are doing that work, Mm. particularly for First Nations businesses. I hope that we're one of many. And we've been openly said this and we are keen to share our experience, particularly with other intermediaries that are keen to unlock capital for the Indigenous Mm. business sector. Mm. Yep, absolutely. So, leaning on from that, if we were to look at some advice that you'd give to First Nations entrepreneurs, Brian, those that are looking to then start or grow their enterprise... What, what advice would you pass on and where have you observed some common pitfalls? I think this one's probably more of a general one, Tom, if I can answer yeah. it in this way. Absolutely. Is that I found networks and mentors have been just phenomenal, right? And I'll, mm. I'm only going to draw on my career as an example, but I think the application of that particularly for a First Nations business and how they are thinking about growing and scaling. I hate to say this, Tom, but I think networks play a critical role in that. We all know that access to capital is based on who your network is and your ability to harness and to get that capital into your business. It's based on that, but it's also about how do you mature as a business owner or just as an individual in general, right? And I I found mentorship to be something that has allowed me to grow professionally, personally. I'll call out one of my mentors. He took me on as a grad back in Medicare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's an Irishman um, and he he calls himself Brian. We're the the blacks of of Europe. You know, he's got that real sort of soul to earth sort of personality. And um, I catch up with him every couple of months at a coffee shop around the corner and we've maintained that relationship over different myriads of my career path and trajectory but it's helped me inform my thinking is Mm. is find mentorship early um build those networks and hopefully it, it goes beyond a commercial transaction and it's something that indigenous business owners can grow with for me tom it's networks and mentorship yeah fantastic great advice there i can absolutely agree i've just observed it's just so important as well so what if we're to step back a little bit brian and say ultimately what we've been talking about is how first nations entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs more generally are able to really use business as a force for good so if we're to step back and say from a global level 
What do you believe needs to happen now to help mainstream this business for good movement? I really liked this one, Tom. I was thinking through, trying to take my background and experience to answer this at the same time as look forward to a more positive future. Mm. Um, I'm going to turn it back to you, Tom. I, I think it's organizations like yours that create a platform for organizations like ours to have a greater voice. And it comes back to two points before I was talking about mentorship and, and networks. For me, business for good depends on its networks in order to have that greater groundswell of support. Yes. And that for me is based on really vulnerable conversations on both sides of any relationship and having common commitment, but also having common purpose and values. For me, Tom, it's having those networks and having those relationships that allows platforms to show the good of what Indigenous business sector does or show the good of what business for good means. Because mm. look, I think we're at that point, Tom, right? You know, and we've seen some of the highest global temperatures in only the last few weeks, which is just ridiculous, really right? Is. So yeah. the more we promote business for good, I hope we get to influence a broader audience. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Totally agree. So to finish off then, Brian, let's talk about some books or resources, blogs, podcasts, whatever it is that you would recommend to our listeners to help them on their journey? Sure. For me, coming from an investment background, one I like to dabble into and listen to is the Chanticleer team at the Financial Review. They've got a podcast. They do it weekly. It's a nice little conversational piece where the two columnists talk about what's in the markets and, and in a deep dive into some of the things that are more prominent than others. Yeah. Look, I, I enjoy listening to the Chanticleer podcast. It's nice and easy sort of bite-sized to get into between trips. Look, from a book perspective. One I'm enjoying right now is a book by Franz Fanon. He was quite prominent in the 60s, particularly around this idea of decolonization and he writes on his own experiences. And I'm just really enjoying reading Franz Fanon's book right now called The Wretched of the Earth. Mm. Probably the only other two I've, I've gone back to a, a number of times is The Alchemist. I know it's pretty common, oh, <laughs> but I really book. like reading The Alchemist. Probably up to my fourth time reading it more recently. And that's one. And look, the other one, again, I love from a point of escape to really delve into someone else's life is Shantaram, if you've ever come across that one. I do. That's another absolute classic. Yeah, they're mine, Tom. Keep up the track on markets. I'm enjoying reading Franz Fanon's work at the moment. He's got another one called Black Skin, White Face that I am resolved to read Mm. (laughs) next. And yeah, my two classics, Shantaram and The Alchemist. Oh, fantastic. Both very good reads, highly recommended. And for our audience, Brian, what we'll do is we'll, in the article, you can scroll on down the bottom and you'll find a list of all those books that Brian's just recommended. So you can click on through and find out more about not just those, but the other initiatives that Brian's talked about in today's podcast. So Brian, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. And, you know, we are looking forward to releasing another podcast a few months down the track to, to keep an update on where you're at with FAC. I really appreciate you sharing your generous insights and time and we'll catch up soon. Thank you, Tom. It's been an awesome pleasure talking with you, mate. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. 
please leave your comments below and remember we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.